Jesus said that he would build his church. For over 130 years, he has allowed Northridge to be just a small piece of that. He doesn't need our help. He said he would do it. Jesus said, I will build my church, but I want you to be a part of it. Well, you know, growing up in my household, I always kind of thought that I would, you know, my future was kind of planned for me. You see, my dad, he owned an insurance company, and I just always assumed it was never expected of me, but I just assumed that, you know, I would go off to college, I would get married, and I would come home, and I would work as a partner in my dad's insurance firm. And so I just kind of assumed that was going to be my life until I was 16 years old. And God got my attention, and he began to call me into full-time ministry. And so as a 16-year-old chasing God's vision for my life, his calling in my life, I enrolled in Bible college. I was chasing after what God was leading me to. But like any graduating senior from high school going into the freshman year of college, I was so interested in freedom that it distracted me from what God was leading me to. You see, as a freshman in, in college, I was so excited to be kind of outside of my parents' rules and, and regulations and, and to be able to have some freedom as a man, to be able to make my own decisions and, and kind of steer my own life. And my whole freshman year of college was a big distraction. I made poor choice after poor choice. I chased girl after girl. And... It really distracted me from what God was leading me to. Until the end of my freshman year, God used an opportunity in my life to completely change my life. You see, in my, at the end of my freshman year, there was this opportunity to get three credits in three days. Sounds amazing. And, and to make it even better yet, there was this girl named Hannah who I was really interested in. And she told me she was going, so I thought, hey, this is obviously of God. Like, three credits, three days, and the girls, a girl I want to date is going. Like, let's go, God. Praise his name. Amen. And so I signed up for this course, and I thought, hey, I'm going to get some credit, and I'm going to have some awesome conversations with a girl that I'm really interested in. But God had completely different plans for me. See, over the course of three days, intense messages and breakouts, God began to get a hold of my attention. He, he began to show me how distracted and how many poor choices I had made, and he began to steer the direction of my life in a completely different direction. And I will always remember those three days in my life because they changed my future. God refocused me. He, he began to, again, change my plans and lead me to ultimately where he has taken me. And I think for all of us, every single one of us, we can look back in our past and we can find those pockets, those moments in our life where God used people or he used circumstances to get our attention and ultimately to push us where he was leading us to. 
And I think every individual has those moments, and I think every organization or church has those moments where you look back and you're like, wow, God, thank you for that. Thank you for getting my attention. Thank you for refocusing. Thank you for speaking to me. And I believe today as we launch this brand new series called Gaining Ground, it's kind of one of those moments for our church. It's one of those moments where I believe in 10 years or five years, we will look back at this series, we will look back at this moment in these circumstances and say, wow, look at all that God did through us and in us. And so we're starting this brand new series called Gaining Ground where we're going to unfold and, and, and really unveil the, the future we believe God is leading our church to. And so if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 16 is where we're going to be. Matthew chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to use uh, the one we provide. It's going to be on page 798. You can also turn there in your phone or your tablet. And as you're making your way to Matthew 16, I want to let you know of a couple things. First, hopefully you were handed a booklet as you were walking in one of our campuses this morning. If you're watching online, you can get your hands on that booklet at northridgerochester.com backslash gaining ground. You can download a digital copy of that to take notes. And there's also a couple things on page 26. You will take notes. That's where your sermon notes are. You want to hold on to that booklet all throughout the series. It's got a ton of information for you as we unveil uh, the future of our church. And as you're making your way to Matthew chapter 16, I want to start by just welcoming you to Northridge Church. Thanks for being here, whether you're joining us from one of our campuses or you're with us online this morning. Thanks for being here. And if you're a guest with us, kind of your first or a couple times here at Northridge Church, I want to let you know, man, this is a great weekend. It's a unique weekend for you to be here because you'll get a little taste. You'll get a, a little bit of a glimpse of who we are, what, what makes us tick, what we're passionate about, and how we're a church that wants to move forward for the kingdom of God. And so Matthew chapter 16 Jesus is with his disciples. He's at a location called Caesarea Philippi. And this is what he says. This is a statement that he makes. He says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I don't know about you, but as a Christian, and I'm a competitive guy. I love competition. And there's something about this statement that Jesus makes that just fires me up. Where I'm like, okay, God, let's go. Let's do this. I'm in. Let's, I'm ready to roll. Like I, God says, hey, I, God, will build my church, not our church, but his church, and nothing can stop it. Nothing can get in the way. And over the course of these first two weeks, we're really going to break down this statement Jesus makes. We're going to look at it. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into it. In this first week, we're going to talk about the first three words, I will build. Jesus says, I will build. From the very beginning, he predicts that he was going to build his church. One thing we have to understand is at the end of the day, Northridge Church isn't my church. It's not your church. It's God's church. And he's the one building it. And in this statement, I believe we see three unique things. Three unique things hidden in what Jesus was trying to accomplish through those three words, I will build. I think the first thing we see is I will build is a statement of action. It's a statement of action that God is a God of movement. He's a builder. Now, when we think of that word build, you know, we may be driving down one of the routes, 490, 590, 104, we see some buildings being built. And often when we think of that, I will build, we think of structures. We think of facilities. 
But at the end of the day, Jesus isn't talking about building a building or a structure or a facility. He's talking about creating a movement that is going to impact people's lives. And it gives us a little bit of a glimpse of who God is and how he acts. You see, our God is a God of motion. He's a God of movement, and he is passionate and serious about creating a movement in my heart and in your hearts that impacts people's lives. So you got to understand this about God, is God is always on the move to accomplish his mission. God is always on the move in people's hearts and people's minds and souls, ultimately to build his church, to accomplish his mission, to receive his glory. God will move. God has moved, and God is on the move, and he will not stay still. And here we see that in these first three words, because it's, it's Jesus saying, hey, I'm a God of action, a God of movement. But the second thing I, I think we see behind these three words, I will build, is a statement of inevitability. It's a statement that Jesus is saying, hey, this is going to happen, like it or not. Be in it or not. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. In fact, that last phrase, I love this part. It says, Jesus says, and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. You see, right here, Jesus puts his credibility on the line. He puts his reputation at stake because he says, watch me do what only I can do. And guess what? No one has a chance, even close, to stopping me. And we understand that when Jesus works, it moves because God's movement will not be stopped. God's movement will not be stopped. I think it's really interesting that Jesus does this at a specific location, Caesarea Philippi. He's with his disciples, guys who he has been investing in, pouring his life into, and he takes them to the worst place in society, the most evil place in society. It was Caesarea Philippi. No good Jewish boy or girl would ever, ever go near this place. And so you can imagine the disciples probably feel a little bit awkward, like, Jesus, why are we here? We're not supposed to be here. This place represents everything that goes against you, God. Why are we here? And Jesus says these words, hey, guys, guess what? I'm going to build my church. And guess what? You see, this place has no chance of stopping me. Even the, the most evil places in our society, even the schemes of the enemy and his divisiveness, it has no chance at stopping our God. Amen, church? Amen. Nothing can stop God because it's inevitable. He says, I will build it. I don't need you, but I'm going to invite you into it. I don't need you, but in my movement can't be stopped. So it's a, it's, it's a, these three words are a statement of action, of inevitability. But third, I think there's a little bit of a hidden gem here. Something that we don't see until the story unravels in Jesus' life. The third thing is, I will build is a statement of invitation. It's a statement of invitation. This isn't explicit, but we know from the rest of the story that Jesus went and died on a cross. He rose again on the third day, and guess what he didn't do? He didn't stay on earth and Say, hey, I'm going to build the church myself all by myself. No, 12 chapters later in Matthew 28, this is the same message he gives to his disciples. Matthew 28, it says, therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations. So we know that what Jesus says, I will build, is a, it's a setup. 
It's a save the date for all of us as Christ followers because he goes and leaves and he says, hey, guess what? I'm going to build it, but I'm going to do it through you. I'm going to invite you in to be a part of something, something greater than you. You see, Jesus invites us as Christ followers to build something bigger than us. Now, now notice that the I will build. I is singular. And so how is Jesus saying, I will build something, but yet he invites us to be a part of it? How does that work? Well, the reality is, is everything that we do is because of God. Everything that we are is because of God. And so he gets the credit for it, even though he does it through us. And what's interesting is God invites us to be a part of something that's much larger, much greater than us. And here's what I've come to know about people, including myself, is I believe there is something in every single one of us that desires to be a part of something bigger than us something greater than us. I believe that's a God-given, innate something inside of us that where we just long and we desire, we dream about being a part of something great. And I don't know anybody who dreams up, who wakes up one day and says, you know what, I just want to be a mediocre teacher. I just want to be a mediocre boss or I want to work for a mediocre organization. If that's you, seek help immediately. But I think inside of us all, whether we're there or not, we have this dream and this desire inside of us to be a part of something bigger than us. And what's crazy, as Christ followers, God has already invited you to the party. He's already invited you to something that's way bigger than you can imagine. You know what it's called? His church. His church, he invites us to be a part of what he's doing, the miraculous, the amazing, the life-changing. And God will use whatever it takes to see that accomplished. But here's where it gets difficult. is God invites us to be a part of it, but it does cost us. It costs Jesus. Building God's church is a privilege that requires sacrifice. And Jesus modeled that for us. He showed us that with his life. In fact, look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Just a couple verses later, Jesus says this. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. You see, God knew he was going to build his church, and he knew exactly what it was going to cost him his one and only son, all that he had. And Jesus models that for us. Yes, being a part of God's church is greater than us, but it also requires sacrifice. Here he is telling this to his disciples. And guess what? They didn't know this at the time, but every one of them would accept his invitation, accept his invitation, and and they would die for it. They would put their life on the line to build God's church. See, It requires sacrifice, but the sacrifice pales in comparison to the reward that is waiting for us. And so Jesus invites us to be a part of building his church. And the question for all of us as Christ followers, if you know Christ is your personal savior, here's the question. Will you be a part of his church? Will you be a part of building the church of God? What God is doing in our community and in our neighborhood? And ultimately, when Jesus said this, he was talking about the big C church, every single church in America and in our world. But for us as, you know, people who live in the Rochester area, 
and watching online, that means the local church here called Northridge Church. And you know what's been amazing is just as we've began to think about the future, we've looked at the past. And it's amazing what God has done in the life of our church. I mean, if we would just pause for a second, you think not many churches have such a rich history as Northridge Church does. Not many churches have lasted over around 130 years of ministry and God working, and it's all because of God's blessing and his favor on our church. And it's amazing if you look back in the past, you're almost in awe of what God is doing. In fact, just this Saturday, there was a funeral for a lady in our church. Her name was Ruth Brady. And Ruth Brady actually attended North Baptist Church when it was on Avenue A in our city. And there are generations of people who've been around uh, Northridge Church for 50, 60 years who have invested in the next generation to see what God can do throughout the years. And man, we look at our past and we say, wow, God, thank you, God. But let me tell you something this morning. I don't believe God's finished with us yet. I don't believe God's done. In fact, I believe the best days of Northridge Church are still ahead. Amen, church? And so as we begin to start this series and, and talk about our future, you know, our leadership team got together and we, we, we set really two major priorities in the next couple years that we wanted to see and what we believe God was leading us to. The first one is we're a multi-site church and we wanted to see God launch our fifth campus in the year of 2020. And so location always comes into that. What does that look like? And so we believe in 2020, God's going to launch our fifth campus inside the city limits of Rochester. We want to love and care for our city. And so right now, some of the guys on our team are traveling all over America learning of what that looks like, what it looks like for a suburban church to go inside a, an area in the city limits. And so we're gathering all this information. We're looking for campus pastors and to lead that mission. And so I'd encourage you to just pray with us as we walk down that journey. But we believe in, in 2020, we're going to launch that fifth campus right inside the city limits. But the second priority is we wanted to see one of our portable campuses go permanent, to become a permanent fixture in the community. And so we began to pray through what that meant because we didn't know, is it going to be Webster or is it going to be Greece? And so we just said, hey, we're going to pray and see where God leads. And many of you know this, he's led us to a facility in the Webster community for our Webster campus at 780 Salt Road. We are currently under contract to purchase that facility. We're working through 60 days of due diligence. We're working with architects. We're crossing our T's and dotting our I's and make sure, making sure this is the right opportunity that God has for us. And as we plan and as we dream of what God can do through this facility, it would be easy for us as a church to get excited about a building. Because, I mean, hey, a building, when you are set up in a middle school theater for a regular basis, a building of your own sounds really exciting, doesn't it? All of Webster is amening right now, and Greece, and Henrietta. But the truth is, is it's easy to get excited about a building, but here's what I think we need to recognize, is God's plans for Northridge Church are much bigger than a building.
So Nate, Webster campus has been around for four and a half years and just take me a little bit into the journey of how you got to where you are, the start of the Webster campus. What was it like? What were you praying for? Yeah, so when I look back at the journey of our Webster campus, um, it's funny, I actually think back to 2011 when we as a church had kind of just decided we were gonna go multi-site and we said, man, we wanna go to Webster first. We think that'd be a great place to launch our first campus. And uh, we began to look at opportunities and what would that look like? And we knew we were gonna be portable and so it really limited us to theaters or to schools. And we knew theaters were out and uh, immediately our eyes were drawn to Willink Middle School. It's one of the newest buildings in the Webster School District. It's located right off 104 at Hard Road. The location was great, but little did we know that, that God's timing was, was different than ours. And um, after talking with the school district, we weren't able to come to terms that we felt comfortable with. So we hit pause and we said, okay, we're not gonna go to Webster first. We're going to go to Greece. During that time, God brought people to our church that helped open that door of relationship with the school district. He brought Eric and Deb Reed, who are very well connected within the Webster schools, and they were the ones who helped us get the relationship that, that we needed to feel like, okay, we can do this. We, we can launch a campus at Willink Middle School. And uh, that journey began officially back in fall of 2014. I just remember the first time walking into the auditorium there and just feeling like, man, this this is it. And uh, just began to dream about what we would see God do. So obviously it was a journey to get to the, the launch of the Webster campus. And so now you're, you're gearing up to see that launch happen, a grand opening. What were you hoping for? Yeah, man, I, I think I just remember praying for boldness and courage because I mean, anytime you launch something new, there's a level of, is this gonna work? How's it gonna go? Um, but I just remember praying, God, you've shown your faithfulness to us. Continue to be faithful, help, help me to trust in you, help us as a launch team to trust in you, that we would know and believe that you wanna make a difference in the Webster community, that there's people in this community that don't have a church home. There's people in this community that don't even know you yet, that we know you wanna reach because of our presence in Willink and our presence in Webster. And so I think I was, I was praying for courage and, and faith. And also too, just for the people I knew, God wanted us to reach that we hadn't had a, had a chance to reach yet. So this is it, Nate. Four and a half years ago, this journey began, right here in Willink. And you know, through those four and a half years, what have you seen God do right here? Yeah, it's truly been amazing, and He has far exceeded, you know, what 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 I thought or envisioned. But man, you look back, and you know, we started with around 300 people, one service. Now look four years later to two services, near 600 people on a Sunday. I remember trying to figure out like, how do we even do baptisms in a cafeteria? What is that going to look like? And then some of the, the Sundays that stand out to me the most are open baptism services where we saw people 
take a step of faith and be baptized. I think we've seen 93 people baptized right wow. here in this cafeteria. Wow. I mean, who would have thought of that? Who would have dreamt of that? Statistics are really cool and they're amazing, but I think the thing that stands out to me the most are, are the people, are the faces, are the stories of people who didn't have a church home and now have a church home. I mean, this is what they think of when they think of church. We've seen God do a work in their lives because of this campus. You know, I was talking about Eric and Deb Reed earlier, and they, along with all of their adult kids, were baptized right here in this room. People like Jim Luciano, who didn't know Christ, started coming to this campus, was introduced to Jesus, and now is following him, all because we took a bold step to say, all right, we're going to Webster, we're gonna launch a Webster campus. I think of kids who come to church every day in a gymnasium, but have been able to learn about who Jesus is and what he's done for them. Never underestimate what God can do. Look at what he's done here in a middle school, in a cafeteria, uh, in a gymnasium, um, has been truly amazing. We know he's not done yet, and we're excited to see what he has in store for our Webster campus moving forward. Four and a half years at Willink, we've seen God do some, man, incredible things. We've seen him change some people's stories, but you know, as you said, we, we're on a new journey now where we're gonna see a portable campus go permanent. And, you know, we're under contract at 780 Salt Road. And as you begin to think about this transition, you know, what are you praying for? What are you seeking God for? What are you, you know, dreaming of and expecting in this new journey? Yeah, I find myself actually um, praying some of the very same prayers. I remember praying back when we were getting ready to launch of just praying for boldness, praying for um, courage and faith and um, man, just praying for the people that in the same way when we launched Webster now, you know, we've yet to reach that um, their stories are going to be changed and impacted because we took this next step. People we haven't had a chance to engage with or know or build a relationship with that are out there that we have an opportunity to reach. So um, man, those I'm praying for those people and Certainly it's scary and it's a step and there's fear there, but man, just also praying that God would give me great faith, give us great faith and courage as we, as we move forward. So here we are, Nate, right here at 780 Salt Road and this is where God has us on a new journey. What excites you about this location and this facility and this building? There's a lot. I think, number one, just the, the location of it and the fact that we're right off 104. Um, it's easy to find, it's identifiable. Um, two, there's parking. It's literally surrounded by parking, which that's one of the hardest challenges when looking at a potential space is, is there enough parking? And this, this space certainly has that. Um, and then it's a blank slate. You can see it's just, a wide open space that we're able to kind of carve up to make it as efficient as possible for what we hope to do. And then there's just room to grow. We have two tenants that come with this space as well, which will be another source of revenue into the future, which we love. And uh, there's just amazing opportunity to grow and expand that really excites us about this place. And I love that we're a little bit further east in Webster. So not only do we continue to reach Webster, but we also expand our reach into Williamson, Ontario, further east. That is uh, exciting to think about the people there that we're now a little bit closer to.
Man, how exciting is it that we have this opportunity before us? And you know, the one thing I wanna warn our church against is, you know, it's really easy to get excited about a building and a structure. But you know, as we begin this journey and as we look into the future of our church and where God is leading us, I think what one thing we have to realize is this isn't about a building, it's not about a structure. Ultimately, why we're excited is because God can use this facility and this location to impact people's lives. It's about our mission, more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And so as we get excited, as we begin this journey, let's focus on that and what God can do through this location. So just remember this as we begin this journey, God's plans for Northridge Church are way bigger than just a building. It's been amazing to see how God has provided along this journey. As we've kind of just followed his lead, he's provided all along the way. And man, what, what a building. We, we, we can look at a building and we can get excited, but we recognize it's, it's about what God can use the building for. That he can reach people and, and use it as a tool to, to, for more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus said, I will build my church. He invites us to be a part of that. But he also says it will require sacrifice. And as we look towards the future of our church, we recognize that it comes with costs. That building comes with costs. And I want to walk you through a little bit of the cost tied to this facility and to this project. You see, at 780 Salt Road, we're under contract to purchase that building, and it will cost $3 million. What's interesting about this, this building is it costs $3 million, but it comes with some revenue. You see, 780 Salt Road is about 75,000 square feet. We will use about 25,000 square feet of the existing building, and we will add on an extra 10,000 square feet for an auditorium so we can raise the ceilings. And so there's a leftover of 50,000 square feet that are currently rented out to less ease that will bring in around $273,000 per year of income for our church. And so it costs around $3 million to purchase the facility and then to renovate it for Sunday morning activity and weekly activity will cost around $4.5 million. The auditorium will seat around 650 seats. And so you might immediately ask this question like, okay, those are pretty big figures. What, is our, what does our church budget look like right now? I mean, where are we financially right now? And just to kind of give it to you plainly, our church currently is 100% debt-free. We built this building a, a while back, and God faithfully has paid it off. He's given us the finances to pay this off. We've been debt-free for about a year or so, and we believe God is leading us to take, to take a step of faith and to continue in our mission of more and better disciples. Now, the question is, $7.5 million project, how will we get these funds? And over the course of two years, we're going to begin a generosity initiative where we are asking every single person who calls Northridge Church home to sacrifice for the cause of our mission. We're going to begin a, a, a journey of committing for two years over and above our regular budget it will start on April, 15, April 14th, which is Commitment Sunday, the week before Easter, where we would do much like we did for Hashtag for Rock. We will come forward before God and we say, this is what we're sacrificing to see God lead us and guide us in this next step in our journey. And you might ask, like, hey, what does this look like? How, how, do I, how do I know what this looks like for me and my family? We give you little tools in your booklet. The first one that you'll see is what we call a hypothetical uh, uh, giving chart. And this is just a tool for you to look at as you pray through this journey what this might look like for your family. This is based off a $5 million uh, project, a goal, and it basically shows you, hey, what we need from individuals to raise 
$5 million. Now, our leadership team through this process, we've set some goals as we step out in faith in this journey. The first goal is what we're calling our breaking ground goal. It's about three, it's $3 million. And what that would allow us to do is to purchase the facility at 780 Salt Road completely debt-free. The second goal we have is what we call our gaming ground goal. It's built on this series, which is $5 million. And that would allow us to purchase the facility debt-free and then do all the renovations with a $2.5 million mortgage. And then third, our ultimate ground goal is what we would say $7.5 million. That would allow us to purchase the facility and do all the renovations completely debt-free. Now, I recognize that for many of you, this might be the first time that you're hearing this, and it's a lot of information to take in, to think about, to pray about. And so as we walk through this journey this morning, I'm going to ask you just to do two simple things. The first one is I'm just going to ask you to ask. If you have questions, please let us know. As you begin to think about this and pray about this, if any questions pop into your head, please let us know. We're here to answer your questions. And the first place I would push you to is in your booklet, there are about five pages of frequently asked questions. Make sure you read that because I believe that five pages will answer the good chunk of the majority of questions that you might have. But after you go through that resource and you still have questions, man, don't hesitate to pick up your phone and call us to, to email Scott Bixby, our executive pastor, or myself. We are here to answer any questions that you might have. And maybe the first question you might ask is simply this, why? Why as a church are we so passionate? Why are we chasing down this vision? Why are we saying, hey, let's go from portable to permanent? Why, why is this so important? God has used our church through portability. Why don't we just kind of stay that route? And I believe the, maybe the, the, the question and the answer to why is significant. I believe this is maybe one of the most important questions that you ask. Because as a church or as an organization, I believe your why will drive you. Your why will, will move you to action. And I believe a lot of churches and a lot of organizations that don't have a why for their vision, guess what? They eventually die. And so I want to explain to you our why. You see, just recently, the Barner research team did a study. They did a study of the greater Rochester area. And they asked people in Henrietta, they asked people in Greece, they asked people in Irondequoit, they asked people in, in the greater Rochester area, in our neighborhoods and in our city, they asked them this question, does Jesus have anything to do with your eternity? If you were to die today, would Jesus have any impact on where you spend eternity? And so they surveyed people. And here's the results that they found. 755,000 people in our area, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our schools, in our college dorms, 755,000 people in our community self-proclaim that Jesus has nothing to do with where they'll spend eternity. And I guess as we, we hear that stat, the first question I have for you as an individual is, are you okay with that? Are, are we okay with that as, as the church, as a group of believers who are here impacted by the gospel and the message and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, are we okay with that? Because I, I, I know what can happen, because it happened to me. You hear that stat and 
I, I have no clue about you, but I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not, I can look at a spreadsheet all day long and numbers just don't move my heart. In fact, I, I find Excel to be very boring. I know that insults some of you. <laughs> and so we hear a stat like that, 755,000 people. Our, our first reaction is like, okay, well, is that actually accurate, right? Like, who knows? And, and, and then it, it goes in one ear and it goes out the other. Man, uh, sure, I'm like, oh, that stinks. But it doesn't move me. It kind of hits a heart of stone. But then God began to do something in my heart. He began to chip away the stone in my own heart based off that stat. And I think what happens is when, when you take that number, 755,000 people who don't know Jesus, and you take that stat and you begin to put a face with it. You begin to put a name with it, a story with it. It begins to become real and it begins to soften your heart. And it did that for this father because God opened my eyes to the fact that I have three children in my home who are a part of that stat right now. And they have names, Joel, Malachi, and Ruby Kate. And they have stories and lives to live, but I recognize that as their father right now, they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as a parent, as a dad, that breaks my heart. And let me tell you something, I would do anything. I would write whatever check I could. I would sacrifice and give up anything to know that my children would know Jesus as their personal savior and they would walk with him every day of their life. I would do whatever it took to see that happen. And I, I think when we begin to take that stat and we begin to put faces, we realize that those are people who live to the right of us and to the left of us and across the street from us. These are people that you see at work every single day who you have relationships with. These are people inside of your family that you've been praying for and seeking God for. These are your children who've walked away from God and you just desire that God would bring them back. These are your teachers in your kids' high schools and middle schools. These are the coaches of your sports teams. You see, when we begin to get past the stat and we get to see it with our own eyes and it becomes real and we see the story and we see the life, it begins to matter to us. It begins to break our hearts. The second thing that broke my heart was something as simple as an alarm. An alarm that goes off on my phone every single morning and every single evening. In fact, I'm gonna ask you to set this alarm. So at all of our locations and watching online, here's what I want every single person to do. You probably all have cell phones. If you have a cell phone, pull it out right now. Grab your cell phone, pull it out. Whether you're watching online, you're at home, you're driving in your car, if you're driving, don't pull out your phone. Okay, but everybody grab their phone and I want you to go to your alarm setting. Wherever you set an alarm for your phone to get up for work, to get up for college, to go to high school or middle school, I, I don't know what it is, but wherever you, find your alarm setting. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to set an alarm for 7.55 a.m. and 7.55 p.m. 
And here's what's gonna happen. When that alarm goes off, I'm sorry for every college student for that 7.55 a.m. It's gonna change your life. But at 7.55 in the evening and in the morning, we're gonna pray as a church. And we're gonna pray that God would change that statistic. We're gonna pray that God would use our church to chip away slowly at the people in our community who don't know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Let me tell you something. This alarm changed my prayer life. It broke my heart for what God's heart breaks for. I call it the holy annoyance. Because every morning and every evening and when it goes off, it's so loud and it's so obnoxious, it drives me crazy. But let me tell you where else it drove me. It drove me to my knees. It drove me to be passionate about those people who don't know Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, when, when, when God's people, when the church gets really serious about prayer and we find ourselves on our knees, God can do something amazing in us and he can do ama- something amazing through us. And so I would just challenge you to pray at 7.55 every single morning and every single evening. In fact, that's the second thing. First, ask your questions, but then secondly, more importantly, let's pray together as the church. And I would ask you to pray this prayer as we begin this journey. God, what part would you have me play? As you think about this journey, as you think about gaining ground for the kingdom of God, Would you just seek God and say, God, what does this look like for me as an individual, as a single person? What does this look like for me as a a family? And maybe you begin to just seek God and pray to God, God, what would you have me do? What does it look like for me? In fact, what better way to wind down my message than for us as the church to do just that? to just take a moment, a minute, and to seek God, to pray together over campuses all over the Rochester area and in homes all over the Rochester area to seek God. And so I'm gonna give you just a minute to to pray in your seat. And I would ask you to pray two prayers. The first is an inward prayer. God, what does this look like for me and my family? And then I would ask you to pray an outward prayer. God, help us as a church reach the 755 in our area. Help us to chip away at that number and see you do what only you can do. So you take a minute right now, and I'll take a minute, and let's pray together. Let's seek God's face. So shall we pray? Lord, as we, as a church, follow you, you never said it would be easy. And God, we lean on you. We do exactly what your word says in Proverbs. It says we won't trust in our own understanding, but that we will lean on your understanding. And God, if I'm completely raw and honest, man, I'm... I'm nervous about this in the sense of, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what this means, but I do know that you are leading us to this. 
I have no doubt about that. I, know, I have no doubt that you love those 755 people who don't know you, who are ultimately searching for you, God. They just don't know it. And God, sacrifice is never an easy thing. It's never a fun thing. But yet it's a beautiful thing. And when we think of sacrifice, all we have to do is look to you who laid it all on the line, who, who gave up everything you had for us. And so God, I pray that as a church, as we fall on our knees and we seek you, God, that you would lead us, that you'd move us, that you'd soften our heart, that you'd break our hearts for what breaks yours. And God, we pray over the next four weeks in the next couple years, as we chase down the vision that you have given us, God, we pray that we wouldn't depend on ourselves, but we would depend on you. That we would be intentional in the morning and in the evening to fall and pray and seek you, God. That'll be the greatest thing about this whole journey, God. We can give tons of money and we can build a building, but if you're not in it and we're not depending on you, we're wasting our time. So God, we pray in all things that you would be our cornerstone, that you would be our foundation, that you would be our rock on which we stand. So God, right now we pray for every person in our city, in our neighborhood, in our community, in our offices, who we talk with on a regular basis that don't know you, God. Give us conversations, give us opportunities to invest in those relationships to ultimately point them to you. God, when it's all said and done, we will give you the glory because this isn't our church and we aren't building it. It is your church and you are the one who will build it. And so we trust in you, in Jesus' name.